Welcome back to the Innovations Edge right here on your Disruptive AF podcast, where we are keeping you up to date with not only your realm of innovation, but how you can get involved right here. Once again, I'm one of your hosts, Trigger Jordan, and with my favorite co-host, Dan. What's up, Dan? Hey, what's up, Trigger? <laughs> you always bring me so much excitement. Hey, literally, I, I've literally been thinking all week long about what's about to happen literally right now with the man, the myth. The legend. When you refer to our guest today, it's almost it's almost like talking about Sasquatch, like Bigfoot or unicorns or dragons that exist. But Tony Perez, the man, the myth, the legend himself of Spark and Afworks, is here with us today. We couldn't be more excited to bring him on. Tony, hello. Say hello hey. to your followers, your fans. <laughs> You're too kind, Trigger and Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, in case you guys don't know, Tony has an extensive background for right now. He's the director for AFWorks Spark, the Spark Initiative, one of the, the capability leads, a grassroots innovation program designed to create unique opportunities for the military's operational experts. You know, if you're at a base, that's all about you to be able to collaborate and really think about the top problems that they have get our problems as an airman wherever we're at connected with industry, academia, government, um, and get connected. And But this didn't just happen overnight. I mean, it always takes a pioneer. It always takes an author to stick their neck out and say, we can do this. And the awesome part is we got the man here right now with Tony, uh, where this started back at Travis Air Force Base several years ago. So Tony, just for a second, dive into it and tell us, you know, if we were to rewind four years ago, things looked drastically different. If you talk about the innovation space, what defense innovation was, take us back there and kind of where this whole mindset started from, because four years ago, I didn't know anything about this. Right, right. No, that's, you know, this whole uh, innovation space, and especially, you know, the spark and the grassroots movement. I mean, it goes well before me. You know, it's 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 not it, it was it's not a me thing. It's an us thing. It, and it was a lot of other people's whose hard work and dedication before us that, uh, you know, uh, why we're able to operate in the space that we do now. So, you know, the the, the story that I'll tell is, is just a small segment of mm -hmm. a longer story. And, you know, it's from a very, uh, you know, one perspective. And so, uh, you know, uh, what I think that, you know, we have accomplished, uh, you know, as a team uh, is, you uh, you know, has happens in pockets all the time. And, you know, it's, you know, the startup story, you know, why does one company versus another succeed? And, and you know, a lot of the time it's, uh, uh, you know, there's no equation for it. And, you know, that's why, yeah. uh, you know, the startup market exists like it does. And so, you, you know, so everything that I'll tell you is, you know, just kind of like one group of folks that just happen to be lucky, right place, right time, right investors. And, you know, that's kind of why we found ourselves here right now. So, um, but, you know, I, I think what, you know, the story that I can tell uh, just is from, uh, you know, about 2015 timeframe uh, uh, at Travis Air Force Base. And so this was the end of 2015. And, uh, you know, there uh, this was right around the time where a lot of exciting stuff was happening in the DOD and a lot of it coming top down. So Secretary Carter, Ash Carter was in the seat of SecDef. Uh, he was starting things like Defense Innovation Unit. He was starting things like the Defense Innovation Board. Yeah, yeah. And you saw all this excitement, uh, you know, coming from the top down. Uh, and this, uh, but, you know, at the unit level, because I was just a guy in a flying squadron, uh, for it to reach the bottom, it, it, 
it just seemed like it, it it wasn't happening. And so instead of waiting, and you know, and this is where I think it's a collective uh, a collective effort. Uh, you know, everybody wants in uh, in the 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 workforce. Uh, is excited to participate in the innovation space. Uh, you know, we just happen to be uh, particularly well positioned for it, uh, you know, based on our geographic location, Travis Air Force Base being close to Silicon Valley, and then some of the uh, uh, the leadership uh, at the local level, uh, starting with the squadron commander, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Mullins, who empowered, uh, uh, you know, a band of misfits uh, to go forward <laughs> and try something. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's um, so, you know, there's a lot of ingredients that uh, it started out with, but, you know, I think the thing I'd highlight first is, uh, you know, you can have a vision of something that you want, but until that first person, that first leader in the chain says, huh, that sounds interesting and willing mm -hmm. to go to his boss and uh, socialize uh, the concept, you know, that, that, you know, that's that really first uh first uh, level leader that uh, really empowers it. So, you know, that's what we had early on at Travis when we were starting what was called the Travis Innovation Office that is now, you know, kind of the spark cell concept uh, with yeah. an app groups. So I'm curious, like, I, I think that a lot of people can probably uh, relate to that, to that. Uh, you said that this happens in pockets all the time. And that first thing that happened was that buy-in at, at the, at the squadron leadership level can you just dig in a little bit to that to the experience that you were having at that time and what it was that your leader did that kind of made that that first spark kind of happen right no I, I think that's a great question so I, I mean the first thing is trust right so you know uh we have many leaders in the hierarchy of the military and you know for me to feel comfortable to sit down in the meeting i mean the specific thing that happened was i was a flight commander at the time and you know a uh, typical thing uh you know as a senior captain and uh you know you got to move on to something else right so uh he I was in his office he's like hey tony what do you want to do next and with a straight face i looked at him and i said sir you know i'm gonna be the the chief of the innovation office here at travis air force base and he started laughing but he then looked at me once he saw i was serious he's like all right you know, I, <laughs> you know what, yeah. what do you mean what are you talking about yeah it, it didn't exist and but for me to feel comfortable to bring that up to him because i trusted him you know i think trust is the first thing the other thing and the other um I think they agreed it, uh, you know, that makes it happen is, uh, you know, you have to be willing to uh, uh, to taste, take some risk, right? And I think we artificially create risks in our mind, uh, you know, whether it's professional, whether it's, um, uh, uh, you know, relationship, whether it's uh, organizational, but I mean, you have to be willing to take some risk and hear no, you know, uh, the truth is, you know, I've asked uh, many squadron commanders uh, uh, in my career, kind of, I've sold the same concept to him. And this was the first one that really bought into it. And so, you know, uh, so I, I think it was, uh, him believing in it. And then he, he actually came to my office about two hours later after, you know, the kind of the initial conversation, he goes, when do you think you're going to have something ready for the group commander? And I was like, sir, give me two weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to him. And so from that, like that, that, that ability for him to trust me to put him, uh, you know, uh, me in front of his boss. I mean, that really meant a lot. And then now, uh, where there's really nothing to lose, 
but you know, I was motivated to uh, over the next two weeks. I read all these pitch books. I read. I did start doing research. I really started digging into it because I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. like you know, I, I've I can talk to someone of significance about this, and so like it put me and motivated me and put me in a position to uh, where now I had to put a little bit more meat in the bones before uh, besides just a concept. Yeah, yeah, I love I mean, this. It, it, Good. I, I love this uh, story of your first experience being like that. Cause I got to tell you my first instinct when I heard about AFWorks as somebody who was like innovating for the last, you know, 12, 14 years is I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to be a part of your system, man. I'm like, you know, I, this is, this thing's just another part of the part of the air force uh you know the the larger machine so i didn't actually believe in it which is why i find the the whole spark concept so compelling and and your backstory i think lends some credibility to that well in and, and, and i i'm glad you you saw that dan you know uh and, and you see that now and, and you know that that's something that like very specific like you know uh you know how we've grown spark across the air force uh, has not been top down at all. Really, we've just seeded an idea, a concept, and uh, allowed individual airmen to build an organization that's going to be valuable uh, to them, their constituents, and their leadership. And so, you know, there's no, uh, you know, the funny thing, and I think a lot of people, I, I get emails all the time, actually, just uh, of like, hey, you know, can you send me the reg? Can you send me the org chart? Can you send me like the the how to do this? In you know. Um, there isn't anything, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can show them, I can show them ideas. I can show them like what other people have done, but what it's going to work at, at Minot Air Force Base versus, uh, at Hickam versus at Travis, it's all going to be different. Yeah. And so, you know, I, how I always look at the concept of spark and kind of how we started was, you know, we need to treat this thing like a startup. Like, and what do startups do? And so, you know, we have to sell product, we have to generate revenue somehow. And we do that by serving customers. Who's our customer base? Our customer base are the airmen that are executing the, the mission every day. Yeah. Like that's who we're gonna service. Yeah. How are we gonna get the ability to do that? Well, now we need investors to give us both uh, money and time in order to, to accomplish our goal as a startup. And so we have to generate value to the investors i.e. the leadership within the structure. And then we also have to generate value to uh, our customers who are the airmen that are executing the mission. And so I think if you look at it through the paradigm of a startup, it really changes things and challenges kind of the traditional mindset of how we create organizations within um, uh, any bureaucracy, the Air Force being one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then another interesting theme on that is if it is a, a true startup, it can actually fail and it should fail if it's does if it's not value added. So it is not becoming another layer within the system. Instead, it has to show value in order to sustain itself. So it and that's why you know it's you're not going to see very many official documents, if any, on Spark, uh, because they it is truly you know a uh, uh, a decentralized network of semi-autonomous nodes and innovation yeah. cells. Um, you know, they are alone independent and they can choose to work with Afrox or not. Uh, but really, I mean, they should work with Afrox if Afrox adds value to them. I mean, they really need to make this business decisions on based on uh, value of who they align themselves with. And yeah. so um, 
I know that was a lot there, so I'll pause. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's a, that's even when you start, because I remember initially when we got the guidance, uh, I, I can't even say guidance. It was a recommendation within AATC. The, at the time, General Qua said he'd like each unit to look at starting an innovation unit. I was like, great. Where's the exact exactly what you're talking about? Hey, where's the where's the charter? Where's the guideline? How do we do this thing? And you, for the life of me, at the moment, it was so frustrating because I was like, I can't find anything on this thing. And I remember my first call with you about it. And you're like. What's it look like in your vase? I was like, I don't know. What is this thing? He was like, nobody knows. Tony was like, I can't define it for you. I can't tell you. It's not intended to be what I define it as. You have to look at your own unit. And I, I Tony, I don't even know if, if you remember that conversation, but initially it was like, I, well, but I need to see a moment of what this looks like. But it really forced you to go back and say, what are your needs that you're dealing with? What are your frustrations? Because your frustrations at your base and your unit are going to be different. Exactly what you said. And that's so important and even go back going back to what you said before of you know i think every person who gets involved in innovation or in spark or spark cell or get connected to afworks or, or or whatever it is has to go through that journey of that self-empowering of saying listen this needs to be done like it's this this internal drive this motivation where you say this i, I have to do it if i'm not going to do it nobody's going to do it i've got to do it because that's really what propels you forward and when you were talking about empowerment, you know, there's a couple of times at the Spark Cell workshops we, we've talked about. Um, if you think the three things that are really critical to enabling a Spark Cell or just enabling a unit or somebody, an organization be innovation minded or move forward in the space, the three things that continue to come to my mind is one, investment. You have to be willing to invest into the initial startup. If you're not willing to invest into it, whether your time or effort or energy or ideas, it's hard to get something to grow. Uh, the second one is being empowered, exactly like you said. Your squadron commander empowered you to do it. And lastly, trusting people, releasing them to do it. Like if you can invest in power and release people to go, the sky is the limit. And that's the amazing thing. And I think one of the awesome things about Spark, uh, and not just Spark, but the innovation space as well, when you talk about defense innovation as a whole, is that there intentionally are not bounds put on it because by, when you create bounds, you create limitations. And that's what I loved initially in that first conversation you're trying to get us to see is I'm not going to give you bounds because if I tell you this is what it looks like, you're going to stay in this envelope. And the point is don't stay in the envelope, go outside of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's an upfront recognition that we actually don't know what a, an effective innovation organization looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as we've defined it, uh, as soon as we've said this is the structure, I mean, is it really relevant? Because I mean, you know, the environment is so dynamic in itself. The world is so dynamic. By yeah. unbounding it uh, enables that agility. It, but the other thing of uh, making it unbounded is uh, you learn and you, ex uh, you, you, you. I mean, everybody is basically uh, finding new pathways for uh, you know their organization, but also the Air Force at large. I mean, yeah. if you find something that actually works and what you're going to see in a decentralized model of semi-autonomous innovation cells is the, they'll naturally gravitate towards the model that's working at the time. So, you know, it's very much a teams of teams concept. Yeah. And, and that's how you can iterate faster is by, uh, you know, you have to creatively think about it. And, and you know, a why and how has this model uh, been successful? Um, it, well, you know, you could argue that it hasn't been. I, I mean, that that is a reasonable, um, uh, a, a reasonable viewpoint. Uh, however, the counter to that is, I would actually say the 
point in time we are right now with the COVID-19 response. And, you know, what we saw over the first days of like work from home and uh, a, 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 a workforce disconnected from their mothership, uh, you know, we saw wing commanders, we saw leadership, uh, we saw various tiers of folks go to the innovators on their base to yeah. say, hey, how do you use Zoom? How do you use Mattermills? How do you set this up? I mean, all the folks setting up their 3D printing shops to do masks and PPE. I saw there's a sweatshop uh, of folks uh, making cloth masks at Cannon Air Force Base. But just yeah. uh, they're making heart valves in Eglin. Just to see these folks react and uh, the ability to uh, operate in um, – in nebulous environments and uh, be comfortable with that. I mean, that's exactly what this spark cell concept and empowering uh, grassroots innovation does um, because it is a learned skill. It is not just something that you can just jump right into. And so you have to practice in peacetime in order to be effective during a crisis or wartime or contingency operation. Yeah. And so that's exactly uh, you know why uh, you know, whether it's squadron innovation funds, whether it's spark cells, whether it's, uh, you know, all these different AFWorks offerings, that's why uh, it matters in peacetime and why you invest when a, there is no crisis, because during crisis, these are the folks that are going to rise above and be able to operate and uh, lead the community. Yeah, so we were just talking about that last week about how there's just been this, I, I don't know, I feel like this is the golden era for the spark cells right now, because they suddenly have this very clear signal of, you know, this, the signal of demand of the yeah, signal of the value that they could create. And so I'm, I'm, you know, we were, we were kind of musing on it at our, in our previous episode, uh, like, how could we retain that? And my, like, thing I was positing is that, uh, I think that if we improved our discovery capabilities, then we could be creating that signal for ourselves. I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they're like, I can, I can throw together a team of innovators who can create stuff, but answering the question of what it is we need to create is that's, that's central. If you don't answer that, it doesn't matter how good you are at anything. Yeah, you know, you're completely right. And this is a, a fundamental uh, question that startups have to answer, right? Yeah. I mean, you can throw great teams with all these PhDs and backgrounds like Google, Apple, Facebook, uh, but you have to solve a compelling problem in order to be value added to, to yeah. something. That, that's a great point for us to be able to dive into of what is it that we're trying to solve and what really does it look for look like when we come back from our break here in just a second because there's a lot listen we're literally just in the midst of this covid crisis happening it's a the golden area kind of the golden age for for spark cells innovation to be taking place so when we come back from our break we're going to real quick dive into what does it look like moving forward what is the problem really we're trying to solve in spark cells thanks again once again for being on the innovation edge with the disruptive af podcast we'll be right back. Times are hard. With the COVID-19 pandemic causing disruption in every aspect of our lives, it can be difficult to know where to spend our time and how to feel like you're making a difference in your community. If you or your business is interested in getting more involved in response efforts, check out the link in the show notes for resources you can use to help support the fight against COVID-19. Hey, welcome back to Disruptive AF Podcast. It's me and Trigger Jordan Yo. talking to Tony Perez. 
uh, and talking about the Spark cells and the Spark program out of AFWorks. Uh, Tony, you were talking about how the Spark cells can can get that signal for what value they could be bringing. Can you talk a little bit about the universals that you're seeing, like the successes? How how people who want to maybe stand up a Spark cell or already have and are having trouble finding their way? What what do you see working? Uh, now and and into the future, how we could continue to to get that signal and get it boosted for more airmen to get involved. Right. So you know, uh, I mean, that's a great uh, question, Dan. So uh, the you know one of the key things I think is um, is is and it's like you know get out of the office, right? Walk the halls of of your unit of your base. Talk to people. And, you know, one of the most difficult things I think where people make a lot of missteps is uh, you say, you know, what is your innovative idea, right? And uh, you know, that becomes an intellectual challenge to folks and it's intimidating. And so uh, because now you're uh, going to qualify my whatever I tell you next as well, that's not innovation because of X, Y, and Z, or, yeah. oh, well, that's not that, that good. So, so more fundamentally, like, I actually don't care about your innovative idea. It's, it, it's what, uh, what, what problem do you have that you would like solve? And to put it in a very crass way is, Hey, what sucks in your life? What yeah. sucks in your work life? And, and, and people will talk your ear off about what sucks in their work life. But then to your point, Dan, that you brought up earlier, you as the you know spark cell lead, the innovator, whatever, you can take that what sucks and then distill it into a productive problem statement that then can be addressed. Yeah. yeah one so of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite expressions for for that and and what drives good innovation is it's all about falling in love with a problem, not falling in love with a solution. 100%. And that's so and that's another misstep that you bring up that people take. They say, "Oh, we want drones on the base." Well, yeah. what are these drones going to do? Yeah. And, you know, like like what what problem do they fundamentally solve so you don't end up with just like a closet full of drones that is collecting dust because then now like you you like now it, it is like um now the critics are right. Like, oh, well, and how many how many times has that happened? How many times oh, has that happened where we have closets and oh inventory full of stuff that was a good idea somewhere? And I think, man, Dan, you bring up a really, really great point, uh, Tony. You as well, where you say um, it, we get so we used to get so connected and tied into the solution, and we should be focused on the solution. You're right. You got to focus on the problem. May the best solution win. But sometimes people get so invested into the time and the research that they've done that it becomes more important to them to get their idea through instead of the best idea through. And there's yeah. a difference between those things. Right. And, and you know, one way, and, and yeah, because there, I mean, there's all these uh, psychological biases to yeah. why you yeah. would uh, stick to uh, something that you started with. But, uh, you know, how you get across those is... Uh, you know, very much in the lean startup uh, methodology literature where, uh, you know, you need to have short iterative cycles and, you know, don't, uh, you know, do small experiments uh, with, you know, MVPs, minimum viable products in order to test hypotheses. And if you have those short iterative cycles, 
you'll uh, you'll uh, be less likely to go after you know the Lamborghini when you know a a, a bike would have been just fine. Yeah. So, uh, and then also, you know, to, uh, to, you know, as far as your approach and, you know, kind of what problems you go after uh, with solutions. I mean, if you're kind of taking iterative, uh, the, the iterative uh, uh, MVP kind of methodology, um, you know, theoretically, the investment in those uh, of those uh, prototypes should be very small. So you can spread your capital or your funding if you have if you're lucky enough to have it across many different experiments in order to have a diversified portfolio of activity, yeah. which the percentages that the chance of any one of those projects in your portfolio to succeed is actually pretty low. But if you aggregate those together, very much of like a VC holds portfolios of companies, that one project in your portfolio is gonna have a nonlinear upside in returns and that's going to prove out your methods in uh uh in in buyer wins to gain more support yeah so this is yeah this reminds me of something that i've thought about a lot with innovation organizations is i think oftentimes they they attract tech the technically minded people people who love building solutions right so they're like they're kind of in a lane right you're like i'm a coder or i i print stuff right um, one, one thing that I, that I've found useful is to be as, because I'm, I've like been studying design thinking and facilitation mm -hmm. of these, you know, lean startup, I core, uh, human centered design. I just took the warfare, warfighter centered design from, uh, the, uh, centers for adaptive warfighting. It's amazing. And one of the reasons that I'm trying to promote this stuff with, with, uh, with my latest project, Ajitare is is that I think you need somebody there whose whose primary focus is are we solving the right problem? It's not you know it, it's not the technically minded people. So I think this speaks to the importance of having a diverse team as part of those sparks. And, and yes, this is not a one person gig. None of this mm -hmm. stuff is. It, yeah. it it does take a true teams of teams that is cross functional in nature. But uh, so uh, just in very broad terms uh, is, uh, you know, uh, I think Apple is always, you know, the classic example of a Steve Wozniak and a Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think that speaks very clearly uh, to the point that, uh, yeah, there's going to be technically minded people that are going to do the tinkering, the makers of the world, right? But so the great point of, uh, you know, uh, Apple, I think is the classic example where you have both a Steve Wozniak and a Steve Jobs, you know, one very much that maker, tinker, or a coder type person, but then you have the Steve Jobs who's kind of the, uh, you know, the managerial and business functions. And so it those team of folks that need to come together, um, you know, more specifically it, underneath the air force paradigm and just with the rules and regulations that we we have to adhere to because all the activities uh you know you want to do above board is you know hey who, who's your who's your fmer who's your contracting person yeah. you know who's who's your legal rep uh you know who do you know from ce uh who do you know from pa like these are all people you might it needs to be the right person from these organizations and you might not find them locally but you should be looking at these places because you know at the end of the day i mean we live within an organization that has rules and we have to be live with those if we're going to have the freedoms to operate in the sandbox that we all want to yeah and, and that's been one area that whether it's spark cells or even just kind of innovation hubs and groups is that i unfortunately i think that's been a lesson that has 
been learned a little bit too late at times that if you have a project startup, man, you need to bring these people on board early and often because they can actually help you sort through things in the developmental process and recognize what they need to get going, what they need to be doing on their half to, to expedite the development or expedite the process or expedite the project. But oftentimes I've seen people wait where they have this great idea and then they go take, you know, bring in, uh, whether it's uh, contracting or FM or, or uh, JAG to be able to say, hey, you know, is this okay? And then they find themselves being delayed because they weren't involved in the process earlier. And you may say to yourself, well, what does, you know, what does the technology have anything to do with FM or contracting? It has a lot to do with it, especially if you want to see this thing scale and solve the everyday problem that your airmen are having or whoever is having. There, there's a lot that goes into it. They need to be in that process. Yeah, and, and it really is. And, you know, and this is where I think, uh, you know, uh, where, where tensions develop, right? You, you have you have conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and a lot of it is unintended. And, you know, for the innovators, you're like, ah, oh, the frozen middle. You know, that's the, that's a classic excuse, right? Yeah. Oh, the frozen middle. I, I, I can't get it, you know, across the goal line because of the frozen middle. Well, instead of pointing fingers and throwing spears, because a lot of those are excuses, right? Yeah. You, what and you don't have control over that. So what in your world do you have control over that you can change? And a lot of that has to go to communicating to these organizations early, right? So yes. you know a lot of the things that I get that that where you find roadblocks is have you just communicated and got these folks on board earlier? Yeah. Then like and, and this is where I want people to realize is these aren't supporting agencies. These are enabling agencies. Yeah. They enable the innovations to happen and they need to be on your team from the very beginning. And so, um, you know, this, this the, the myth of the frozen middle, a lot of it is uh, self-driven because of our inability to understand the landscape in which we operate. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and along the same lines, PA is very important. Who has the wing commander's ear? you know, directly. It's yeah. PA. So yeah. as you're trying to develop what your spark cell is going to do, your PA shop can give you insight on the wind commander's priorities. And then you can align to those to where it becomes very difficult to say no to the concept that you want to promote. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, a lot of times people, I think they find the, the, the quote unquote, the roadblock is because, um, if they hadn't pulled those agencies in earlier, those agencies don't know what your problem is. They don't understand what your frustration is. And what you don't realize is that these enabling agencies want to enable you to succeed. And there's meetings that happen all over the place. So if FM goes into a meeting, whether it's with a, you know, if it's a base, FM is dealing with uh, the numbered air force, the magic, they may be hearing about things that would be advantageous to you. But if they don't know what's what your frustration, if they don't know your pain point, they don't know to watch out for it. They can, yeah. they're there to be able to help you. Dan, you had something though. Yeah. And then uh, like just to scale the idea of that, you need to build trust between your, you know, your organization and, and their leadership. I also, um, one thing that I saw missing in early discussions when we were looking at the, uh, the innovation center for, for my previous wing was I came in and I was like, who's talking about communication? Who's talking about like what our communication plan is, our collaboration plan? Because mm -hmm. if we're yeah. not scaling that, that push for trust across the whole organization there's a lot of people who are you know who are just going to drag their feet because they're not sold on the value of this thing so i see the the most successful innovation organizations are the ones who tell the most compelling story about what they're doing 
Yeah. And when we like one of the most successful things that, that we did at that uh, office was I, I started doing a monthly newsletter and it was a ton of work. I mean, a friend, we made it weird. We made it super like strange. They were all kinds of cartoons. We did these design thinking sessions and, and uh, you know, like worst possible solution. And then we did cartoons of all the terrible solutions to the problem of not being able to read officers ranks. And, I, and it was like a lot of fun. And we made it look strange and different. And it kind of sent this signal, uh, you know, and we it, out of the woodwork came all these airmen who were like, oh, yeah, I saw, you know, I saw the newsletter and I recognized that something like that spoke to me is happening here. Uh, so that like that atypical or that non-traditional PA function for innovation organizations, I see doing way more than anybody anticipates it doing. Right. And, and you know, talking about that, it's yeah, like um you know, so, so in, in, you know, if you're just starting out the spark cell, it's like, you know, how do you get started? You know, what's, what's the, what's the plan? How do you build your team? And a lot of that, so thinking about non-traditional ways uh, to actually build a team in this day and age is actually just walking around and talking to people. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and, and that's really, I think uh, one of the key things that we did at Travis, I remember just walking the halls of random squadrons and just introducing myself and just like ask you know talking to them you know we're so used to email correspondence we're so used to like these distro list blasts that are just you know mute uh they're, they're just filtered out in our mind it's yeah. that human to human interaction in in talking to people you know that's a uh uh even though it sounds very simple that is a simple way to differentiate yourself from other organizations yeah. I've read that in so many books about innovation, this idea of walking around. It's it's very weird. It's uh, you know, it's like called get out in the think wrong practice. It's called uh it's called, you know, uh leave get out of the building in, in some design thinking frameworks. So yeah. I, I also am curious though, you talked about what if you don't have those capabilities locally. So one of the things that the Spark uh network is 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 it's a community, right? Or at Forks creates this sort of network. Can you talk right. about how people can connect with people in the innovation space that aren't within walking distance? Right. Yeah. No. I mean, first off, I mean anybody can ever email me, call me whenever you want. I mean that's it's it's an open door. So Tony.perez at afworks.af.mil uh, cell phone seven one nine three one zero two two four zero. You can reach out to me. You know, I, I'll I'll talk to anybody. Um, the other thing though is, uh, you know, th there's uh, you know, so so it's a, it's always a balance. Like, you know, we want to publicize, but then also there are people that want to destroy. So you know, how do we? Uh, and then also just with all the companies trying to reach these spark cells, we we you know try, we we limit the access of some of the distributors we have. So, I mean, I think the best ways, uh, you know, uh, ask around, you know, keep your um, uh, look at like different bases, look at different activities locally, uh, reach out to me. I'll get I'll send you the distro list uh, with all the uh, various uh, spark cells in uh, different in innovation uh, base level innovation organizations out there. There's over, over 70 that we have cataloged and then just start reaching out to uh, different people. I mean. Picking up a phone and talking to someone, uh, emailing them. Um, I, I think the phone calls are valuable 
because there's so much so much nuance in this space to where uh you know just from trigger and i's original conversation you know uh, when we ever we first talk it's like uh you know th there's it starts with disbelief like what there's no rag that dictates this like, there's no <laughs> dude it was so frustrating until yeah. you get it and then you're like oh. yeah and, and then and then once you reach out and talk to a couple of these folks in the space uh, and, and, you know, there's more and more and more. And, you know, I think we've hit this inflection point where, uh, you know, it's going to be easier to reach these folks because it's not going to be as strange to be uh, operating in this space. So, um, you know, and you'd be surprised who operates in this space. So, you know, AppWorks, Def's another good organization that's nationally uh, around nationally. So uh, Defense uh, Entrepreneurs uh, Forum, Ensign. Uh, uh, National Security Innovation Network. Uh, that's an OSD organization. That's government. Uh, you know, DIU. Uh, there's a lot of innovation organizations out there. Uh, you know, the Spark Network I think is good because that's other airmen that are in government right now that are that can empathize with you directly. But yeah, just start looking online, Google stuff, start calling people, uh, and uh, you know, get involved. Yeah. And I think one of the critical things about that is it, it, you've mentioned this thus far is just get going. Just just get going. If you have questions about it, if you're wanting to get connected, just pick up the phone, find an email and reach out to somebody and just get going. Because a lot of times people think um, in, in their planning or wanting to build or wanting to get moving on a project or start this innovation mindset that they need the right environment. They need this. They need that lined up, man. Did you wait for did you wait to have everything lined up perfectly? And, and it's never going to be perfect. No, like, it's not. So you have to execute on good enough. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. what's good enough? Like good enough is, uh, you know, hey, what, what's your 70 to 80% solution, right? You're, you're not going to be right. And you have to be comfortable with that. You are going to be wrong a lot of the times. And that's okay. If we would have waited till right um, for any of the activity we, we do uh, within Spark, you know, back at Travis, uh, you know, uh, I mean, what we've done in Cyber, with what we've done with the Accelerator, uh, with what we're doing supporting the COVID-19 task force. Yeah. If yeah. we would have looked like waiting for right, um, then, uh, or perfect, uh, you, you know, uh, we'd still be back in the starting block. Yeah. So, um, and what you have to exhibit, and this is, you know, what, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Jeff DeGraff talks about is uh, self-authorizing behaviors. And yeah. so, uh, you know, that's who's going to thrive in the space. You know, do you need permission? You know, I'm telling you right now, no, you don't. You know, be ethical, be moral, don't hurt anybody, don't don't break any laws. Yeah. You know, like, and so, yeah. like, you know, what's the rule book for Spark? What's the rule book for innovation? I mean, we have to go no further than the Air Force core values. Yeah, it's pretty incredible what you can accomplish without breaking laws. Just get started failing early because you, you got a lot of failure to do before you're going to start seeing major successes. I think, you know, like every one of the, every time you have to pivot, the, the, the last thing was kind of a failure, but it's not it's it, I, you know, it shouldn't stop you. I think there's a lot of people who start things and then they're like, oh, I realized that the environment wasn't ready for it or I realized that it wasn't going to work because of this and this. And because they never pivot, there was just the one shot. And, and yeah. they think that's, that things that succeed were just right the first time that somebody- Yeah, they were destined that. for it. They were set yeah. up in the right environment. Yeah. That's, that's and, and some, something you had mentioned, Tony, I think is really, have you heard the Gitmo principle? Have you heard of that? 
No. Good enough to move on. Gitmo. No. Good go. enough to move on. The Gitmo principle is good enough to move on. And actually, it really drove me nuts since I had a conversation with an architect. They said, dude, if you could spend years, years on 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 developmental on architectural plans for buildings, but you have to get to the 85% rule. It's it is 85% correct. Um, everything meets code like it needs to because you could spend way more time and effort than it's worth and not get the return on investment if you go that last 15% good enough to move on get started you have the idea in your head move forward get it done which i think really yeah, yeah um, it really when we think about it, just as we wrap our mind around kind of our closing shot of what would you like people to know before we get out of here and dan closes this out um keeping that in mind just get going just get moving just get started just get, get get headed in a direction. Don't allow things to slow you down. Just get going. So, Tony, in that mindset, what would you want people to know? Um, what is the most important thing that you can pass to them in this innovation mindset spark space, if you will? So, I mean, first off, it's not for everybody, right? It's available to everybody, but it's not for everybody, all right? Uh, so, and that's okay. And so, uh, but... Uh, my guess is if you clicked on this link and downloaded this podcast and are listening, <laughs> you know, you are probably of a belief that, uh, there is something in this innovation space for you. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I mean, what, what's something that you can do today in order to get started? So you have my email, you have my phone number. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Like, hey, Tony, we want to talk. If, if that, that that is a very easy thing, and I'll respond to you, and we can just start talking, and that could be your first step. So shoot me a text. If that's what you want to be your first step, do that. Text yeah. me. 719-310-2240. Get on the website. Afworks uh, at af.mil. Yeah. I mean, start looking at stuff. Uh, reach out to folks around your uh, your your base, around your community. Start talking to people. Uh, you, you know, these are small things that you can do uh, in order to you know dip your toe in, in and uh, to get you started uh, kind of on this journey. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful message. Is the first thing that, and the easiest thing that anybody could do is just get connected, right? Because these things are springing up everywhere. These people are kind of all around us, just coming out of the woodwork. And that's kind of the power of the uh, of the Spark program. I'd also like to take a second to pitch that we've got this platform one mattermost space that we've got a bunch of the Spark cells on, uh, and it's a joint space. So we've we've got a lot of collaboration going on there. Uh, you know, shoot us a message if you want to find out how to get involved there. But you know, get get into the community and and get started. Hey, thanks so much. Tony, for joining us. This has been a fantastic conversation. I love hearing your story. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I trust the Spark program a little more knowing it's coming from somebody with your background. Thanks, Dan. R really appreciate it, uh, Trigger, Dan. Uh, you know, thanks for uh, putting this podcast together. Uh, really enjoyed being here. Good. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Disrupt AF Podcast. It's your innovation edge right here. Make sure you tune in next week because we have Stacey Schaffron coming up from AFPC Public Affairs, who's also been in the defense innovation ecosystem. So make sure you subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Just click that link right over there. Hit the notification bell so you can get updated information. And if you're on listening to podcast audio, you can listen to this anywhere podcasts are available. 
We'll check you out later from Trigger, Dan, and Tony. Thanks for watching Disruptive AF.